Soleil. Hey everybody, I apologize. It's been a while since we've chatted. Um, it's just been crazy. Honestly, there have been some days during this, probably for you as well, where things have been eerily quiet. Almost like when, you know, the the five-year-old is too quiet and so you know that he or she is up to no good. Um, so it, it's been like that like some days, um, but I haven't had much of that for a while. So I am trying to put something out for you here still because I know some of you like hearing this and I do think that it's good for us to have connection. So um, I'm just going to share a few thoughts with you. Uh, I decided that what I would share is going to be um, why in the world I'm so darn jacked about Catholic education. So here we go. So if I'm being if I'm being totally honest, this is um, an entirely unscripted conversation with you. Um, totally unscripted because it's going to just be honest, and it's going to be a little bit of my story, kind of um, a little bit about me. Which I figure if you if you listen to this uh, once in a while, um, maybe you you know kind of enjoy. For whatever reason, um, the when I listen to podcasts, I feel a little bit like I'm in a relationship with the the person who's speaking. Um, so if you listen to this for for whatever reason, you connect um, with what I'm talking about, maybe because your kids are in the school or whatever. Um, so hopefully, me talking about myself isn't too um, I don't know uh, selfish or egotistical or um, what have you um, egocentric. Um, but I'm also an administrator in your kid's school, most likely if you're listening to this, and uh, hopefully for that reason you find this relevant and interesting, and if for no other reason, maybe you're like me and you are just dying for some human interaction. Um, <laughs> I, I now subscribe to, I think, 12 podcasts, and when they um, come on, when I get the alert on my phone, it's like Christmas morning for each one of them. I'm just so darn excited to have some human interaction. Um, I love the five people in my house, but man, I am craving interaction. I'm an extrovert, surprise, and uh, I need I need interaction. So maybe maybe that's where you are too. So anyway, um, this this pod's going to be um, why I love Catholic education so much, and dare I say maybe, and why you should too. So. Again, totally unscripted here, but I'm going to kind of start back from the beginning. Uh, I grew up originally in Davenport, and I know most of you know that I'm from Minnesota, or, and some of you know that I grew up in Dubuque, but I was born St. Luke's Hospital, Davenport, Iowa, and went to St. Paul the Apostle in um, Davenport, and I was there until fifth grade. That's not entirely true. Uh, I went to public school for a couple of years. There was a school that was supposed to be, um, I don't know, I think it was supposed to be for advanced kids or something. And I think my parents found out I needed the church more than I needed <laughs> enrichment because um, I was a handful of a kid. I actually, um, uh, my mom saved our report cards. And so I have all these report cards from when I was a kid. And honest to God, they um, the comments year after year would say things like, Zachary is very participatory in class. Zachary frequently participates more than we wish he would. <laughs> the teachers would say it really nicely like that. Very charitable. And I actually had the opportunity uh, a few years ago. God, oh, it must have been about seven, 
six years ago. Uh, I went back to Holy Family Catholic School System in Dubuque. Uh, I graduated from Wallert because we moved to Dubuque summer after I was in fifth grade. So that was in 1989. And um, I had the opportunity to actually speak to them, which was a real gift for me because several of the teachers that I had were still working there. And I got to come back and talk with them uh, on the topic of the Paschal Mystery and servant leadership. So that was a real gift. I loved seeing them. But I got to actually read to them some of the report card comments they had given me. Um, But my parents realized I needed uh, uh, kind of a Christ-centered school more than I needed uh, just about anything else. And uh, so I moved from uh, my public elementary school. And God bless them. I mean, you guys hear me talk about Catholic education all the time. Um, But I have friends and I have family that have served and led working in public schools. And I know there's really important work being done there. Um, And so I I absolutely want, you know, the best for every kid in every school. But um, I certainly feel like there's a special thing about Catholic schools. So that's that's what we're here to chat about. Um, So I I kind of focus on what I love, uh, you know, Catholic education and I know by default it seems like I might be saying negative things about other places. Um, I, I do have memories of my public school. And I, my kindergarten teacher was amazing, Mrs. Fox. I still remember her and uh, her teacher's aide, whose name I forget, uh, but I still remember what she looked like, and I knew my, my dad knew her, um, and I know those were lovely people. Uh, but they did pull me out of, uh, out of the public school about halfway through first grade, if I remember right, or maybe it was right after. No, I think it was right after first grade. They moved me over to St. Paul the Apostle, where my parents and our family was very, very active in the parish. Um, lots of different prayer things. My parents were always in a prayer group. Parents listening to this, I think that's one of the best things you can do for your kids. Um, and what the, what the data tells us is that if the man in the house, it's just what the data says, um, if the, the father figure in the house, um, with, with most homes with children having you know one male and one female parent, um, the kids do what the dad does. Um, they kind of imitate the dad's faith life. And that's across religions. That's not just the Catholic Church. Uh, but my dad was very active. I'm sh- I think my mom was kind of leading the effort, but my dad was very active um, in his faith life. And so we always saw them going to faith, you know, faith sharing groups and Bible studies um, and doing service things and taking us to the soup kitchen and um, things like that. And so we, we, you know, obviously did that as a family a lot too then. And then when those opportunities came our way in school, we, uh, we were very active in those as kids, my older sisters and I. So anyway, um, St. Paul the Apostle School, uh, First Communion, First Reconciliation. Uh, I was an altar boy there. I just felt known and noticed. Um, I um, would serve Mass. At, I'd go to 6 or 6.30 Mass. I'd say the Rosary with the Blue Angels. I don't know what that means. I don't ever hear about that group anymore. Maybe some of you know about them. But they would pray the Rosary every uh, day before daily mass and there was a lady um, that I always forget my rosary and she always had an extra one a little you know cheap rosary I'm sure she's with God now uh, but I'd sit with her and uh, I'd pray the rosary with these old folks and I just kind of liked being known and noticed and there was the six six thirty mass the the altar servers usually forgot to show up and so then I'd get to go up and serve mass which I kind of liked um, I'm very much uh, my personality is I want to be uh, I want to be a good boy and that's <laughs> I've wanted to that's kind of been my thing forever even when I, my rebellious years it was still you know at the core I, I wanted to be good um, that was kind of always my goal whether even when I'm being selfish and um, arrogant or egotistical or whatever um, there's this thing about wanting to be a good boy um, that kind of always isn't the 
the backbeat. But anyway, um, had a really positive experience at those schools. <clears throat> Much different than my my first couple of years uh, in the public school. Um, they were they're just very very different. I, me- I remember even you know five and six year old me having conversations on the bus and how different those were um, in my different years. And I was a handful of a kid. Um, there's no doubt about that. Um, I was a good student. Held back after second grade. My parents held me back, and I repeated second grade with Mrs. Keck. Man, she was awesome. Um, so I had her for two years, which was great. And I was already doing really well academically. My grades weren't uh, weren't really an issue, but I was just so hyper, if you can imagine. Um, so I needed I needed some maturing to do, and so I did second grade uh, a second time, and then uh, and then went on through fifth grade there. Moved to Dubuque. Went to the public school, went to, went to uh, the Catholic school, uh, elementary, and then uh, um, uh, high school. Went to Waller High School, and um, I, th- I probably spend more time than I should thinking about how I would have redone things because I'm just kind of embarrassed of some of the dumb mistakes I made in middle school and especially in high school. Um, but now I'm Facebook friends with most of those people, and I think they know we all make dumb mistakes and we grow up and we move on. Uh, but had a very very positive experience. Felt very very well prepared for college, um, both. Um, kind of theologically, academically, morally, interpersonally. I felt like Wallert did a great job for me, preparing me to kind of move um, out of my um, out of my whatever comfort zone, move out of Dubuque, and I went to the University of St. Thomas up in St. Paul, and uh, had a really great experience there. Um, learned a lot outside the classroom. I learned a lot in the classroom. I had some really really great professors, um, but studying abroad in Rome for a semester, um, doing service trips. Um, gosh, kind of all over the country. Um, I barely went abroad for service trips, but I had a lot of friends. My uh, my good friend Laura, who became my wife, she did a lot of service trips uh, internationally and nationally, um, but just learned a lot there about the world, about justice, about the church, um, and just kind of had my whole world opened up. I was a cradle Catholic, went to Catholic schools, was very active in my church youth groups, all these things. Never missed mass on Sunday, confirmed. Um, gosh, it would have been my sophomore year of high school. Um, I mean, everything kind of by the book, but somehow I still, there's so much I didn't know. And so when I had my first theology class, uh, it kind of rocked me. There was so much I didn't know, I felt like. And so then I tapped into that um, and knew I was, um, well, I, I didn't know uh, what I was going to be doing. I went to St. Thomas because they have a very strong business program. I wanted to make a lot of money. Um, and I liked St. Thomas. Both my older sisters went there. And my mom was a guidance counselor at Wallert, and she spoke so highly of St. Thomas. And so uh, it was almost a foregone conclusion that I would go there. But I'm glad I did. I had such a phenomenal experience at St. Thomas. Um, boy, it sure has changed a lot since I was there. I graduated in uh, 2000 from from St. Thomas um, with a, a, a bachelor's degree in um, theology, minors in peace and justice studies and Catholic studies. And then I did a semester of uh, graduate school to finish up my education license. So I was kind of an education major, but I had to student teach as a grad student. Um, and got my, got my teaching license. Um, I kind of at that point knew I wanted to... Um, by the time I graduated, I knew I wanted to do something with education. I felt like that was a good way to change the world. Um, and, and, and there's a lot of good in that, but I needed to have a paradigm shift. My thinking was I want to um, teach so that I can, so I can change the world, so I can help the poor. Um, I didn't necessarily want to serve in a poor school. I didn't necessarily feel that call, but I wanted to, um, you know, I wanted world peace. I wanted the hungry to have food. Um, I wanted fairness for um, women and minorities. And um, these things were all really important to me. Um, But my thought was I can do that um, 
by working through Catholic schools, mostly with affluent families, and teach these kids to then go change the world. And th- there's good in that, right? But um, I had a conversation with one of my mentors um, very early in my career, um, and it shifted my paradigm because, well, and, and to just the experience of working with kids, um, you learn pretty quickly that, yeah, you want to change the world with these kids, um, but those kids are your first uh, responsibility. And so that was a shift for me. Um, and I kind of fell in love with the work of working with the kids themselves. And I still taught a lot of um, service and social justice. I actually got a K to six teaching license um, in the state of Minnesota. Um, and the in the state of Minnesota, licensure with Catholic schools is, is different. So I had my, you know, my state certification to teach kindergarten through sixth grade. And while I was finishing up my student teaching, my then girlfriend, now wife, uh, Laura, said, hey, there's this school called Benilde St. Margaret um, in one of the Minneapolis suburbs, and they're looking for someone to teach service and social justice. So I thought that was super sweet. I applied. It was my first interview. Uh, they offered, and I didn't really do any other interviews after that. I don't think I did any other interviews, and I declined any other interviews that were offered. I took that job, and it was an awesome fit for me. I got to teach service and social justice and spirituality and prayer. It was phenomenal. It was a great group of people with really diverse gifts, um, especially within our, our theology department. So it was really, really cool had a great experience doing that, did learn that, yes, I, I can you know change the world through my students, but that I need to be serving and leading my students first and foremost. And then um, while I was um, there, I was only there two years to begin, and uh, Laura and I felt this call to go back to Rome. We had each studied there for a semester as undergrads, and we felt that call to go back. So we went back to Rome. She studied full-time. She was earning her master's in Catholic studies, um, and that was a really cheap way to do it. And because, um, uh, um, you know, college abroad is free or close to it in a lot of cases. Uh, I audited some classes. I worked with the Missionaries of Charity. I spent a lot of time with a, a group called Santa Gidio. They're a lay ecclesial community. Um, so we hung out in the metro with homeless people and chatted with them, uh, both... Um, immigrant, you know, refugee folks, as well as people from Italy, and um, taught English to kids in their homes. I wrote articles for a newspaper back in the States. I was a quote-unquote Rome correspondent, um, which was really just kind of a fancy way of saying like a young punk kid who happens to live in Rome and wants to get passes to um, all kinds of cool church events. Um, so I got to do that. Uh, we had our marriage blessed by Pope John Paul II. It was an amazing time. I had an internship with the Pontifical Council for Justice and Peace uh, for the Vatican, which was really cool, um, which basically was creating a database of international Catholic organizations working for um, or researching Catholic social thought. So that was a really, really amazing experience. So we were there for just for a year, and I took that as a year to discern, um, you know, if I'm going to have a wife and kids, um, I need an income that can um, can provide that way. So I actually discerned kind of a couple different routes, I think maybe three. Uh, I looked at law school, believe it or not. I uh, thought that might be interesting. Um, I was even practicing the GRE and um, looking at some different schools. Um, thought about doing a, a theology um, path, you know, doing a doctorate, um, being a professor of theology. And I thought about education administration. And what I kind of came down to was, well, I don't need to do anything right now. Um, but I think I, I started to have a, a lean toward well, I think, I think I discounted law school, that I wanted to stick with education, and I wanted to stick with the church. Um, so 
I uh, got back to the States and got back to teaching. I uh, was teaching a couple more years of high school at a high school actually called Holy Family, whose color is green. <laughs> and um, while I was there, I got a, a master's degree in curriculum and instruction for Catholic education and really started to fall in love with um, and have a sense of what servant leadership can look like in uh, Catholic schools and how that sets Catholic schools apart. Um, just kind of learning about how we don't have, you know, back in the day, um, you know, a lot of the folks who are listening to this, they'll, uh, you'll remember when uh, Catholic schools were immediately set apart because they had nuns. You know, there were ladies oftentimes in black, you know, in habits. And so immediately you knew there was a difference. And um, obviously we don't have that anymore. Um, so I started to recognize, I think in my experience, that what sets Catholic schools apart is um, how the faith calls us to servant leadership and how we um, how we treat our students and what we expect of them and how we see them, that we recognize them um, as having, um, you know, we recognize students as having dignity, this um, incalculable value um, because God says so. Um, and so that, that started to kind of shift my appreciation for Catholic schools. Then um, I went back to Benilde St. Margaret um, uh, back kind of to my to a similar role, and um, I, I met a friend at a wedding who worked at uh, Notre Dame in the Alliance for Catholic Education, and he said, "You really need to apply for this leadership program because um, I can tell you love Catholic schools, but if you um, do this program, if you get accepted to this master's in education administration, he said you will love Catholic schools more than you ever thought you could." Um, I was piqued by that. I'd heard of, uh, it's called ACE, the Alliance for Catholic Education at Notre Dame. They train up uh, teachers to, uh, to work in. Um, the, typically, they, tra- they train them, they give them a two-year master's for uh, serving for a couple of years in an underserved, underfunded Catholic school, mostly in the South. Um, but the program I did was for principals. So you stay at your own school, you do an internship with your own school administration, and you do a two-and-a-half-year program to get a master's in education administration. And one of the things that really stuck out to me was from Father Ron Nuzzi. And I, I said this when I first introduced myself to um, all the parishioners at the four different Holy Family parishes. But he said that he believes there is no problem so large that they can't be solved uh, if Catholic schools can live up to their mission. I thought that was a huge challenge, but I loved it. And then, so that was our first summer when I, when I heard that from him. And then just, you know, was flooded with data uh, about how Catholic schools do what they do. Um, and there are people, uh, certainly, you know, people in the, especially in the public school sphere, um, you know, there are people who are very proud, you know, um, advocates of, of public schools, God bless them. Um, and there are people who want to kind of diminish the benefits of Catholic education and say, you know, that, that their, their thing is better, their recipe is better. Um, but the thing that when you account for race, religion, when you account for everything, socioeconomic, um, location, everything, the one thing that um, people cannot um, discount, the one thing that Catholic schools always do better when accounting for all other um, variables is uh, Catholic schools do a better job of getting parents involved. Um, so that's called the Catholic school difference. Andrew Greeley's done this great research on what even researchers who aren't proponents of Catholic schools will say is there's this thing called the Catholic school difference. Um, and so that's, that for me is just kind of like the hallmark. If we can get you parents, I mean, you listening to this, 
you are probably very involved in the school. If you listen to this, you care a lot. You spend time, you volunteer, you read my um, sometimes boring um, and sometimes with typos, you know, my communications. You probably read the weekly newsletter. You stop by school. You, you know, thank teachers. You challenge them. You make us all better. You're a big piece of what makes Catholic schools so effective. So thank you for that. Um, So that was a huge piece for me as well. So that was really important for me, starting getting that data, just kind of making the case. But then, too, a really important piece of which I had been completely ignorant, frankly, or almost completely ignorant, was actually church documentation. I started to have a paradigm shift of what a Catholic school was. Um, Probably, like a lot of you, for a long time I saw... Uh, Catholic education as one option of many. I mean, living in Minnesota for is about 22 years, um, they have German immersion schools, French immersion, Spanish immersion, um, magnet schools, you know, technology magnets, dance magnets, um, public schools, charter schools, um, classic models. I mean, they have all these different models of school and a Catholic school, in a sense, is an option of school, but I started to have this paradigm shift uh, that more than an option for education, that a Catholic school is a ministry of the Catholic Church. Um, you know, in most cases, at least for a long time, a Catholic school was parochial. It was a function of a specific parish. At Holy Family, we're blessed with four parishes that pray and, and hold us up in so many ways that support us and lead us and guide us. Um, and I, and I think that might be nuanced, but it's an important thing for me, and I think it could be for folks to, to consider how a Catholic school is a ministry of a Catholic church. And I think, too, um, so the, the piece that I was really ignorant of, getting back to that, was actually that the Catholic church has written a lot on, um, on Catholic education. I think the first formal document... Um, and my professors would kill me if I'm incorrect about this. I think Davini Elias Magistry was 1929. Pretty sure. That was an encyclical document. And if you're not familiar, an encyclical is a big deal. An encyclical letter from the Pope. Um, and then there was a big documents. Gravissimum Educationis. Um, the Catholic School. Lay Catholics in Schools. A Witness of Faith. Um, canon Law itself has some pretty um, potent things uh, written in it for Catholic schools. For example... In canon law, it tells us that a Catholic school necessarily must be at least as academically excellent as its neighboring non-Catholic counterparts. That's a big challenge, I mean, especially when you look at the funding in a lot of countries and how that works. Um, and then uh, Pope Leo Thirteenth in uh, 1885, actually, he wrote on Christian education. Um, but I think, you know, Davini is still, Davini Ilias is still kind of considered, I think, the first... Um, uh, first document that was specifically on Catholic schools. Um, Second Vatican Council wrote on the Declaration of Christian Education, and then uh, a really cool document. Maybe I just like it because it's so current and relevant. But in 2005, renewing our commitment to Catholic schools in the third millennium. All these great documents that actually um, say so much about what a Catholic school is called to be and how much they do for the world. Um, it's it's a lot, and it's really awesome when you recognize you know how much the church is invested in in these schools that they're not just a tag on or an add-on or oh a nice thing to do you know if you want to um but that there's really a lot there and that's why like at the gala the award that we have is called um 
Oh my gosh, uh, Ex Corde Ecclesia. So that was a document um, that Pope John Paul II wrote. I want to say it was in the early 80s. I'm sorry, I forget. Um, but Ex Corde means out of the heart. Um, Ecclesia is the church. So out of the heart of the church. And that's how Pope John Paul II describes Catholic schools. And if you think about that, out of the heart of the church, like lifeblood. I mean, that's that's the, the metaphor he's calling to mind there, that Catholic schools are the lifeblood of the church, that we pump out, um, we produce, we give life um, and provide life for the church uh, by passing on faith and virtue and value. So um, that is a that is a huge challenge and it's an awesome thing. Um, so just, I started to get kind of caught up in that piece of it, not in a bad way, but just caught up and uh, inspired by by that. Um, so my, my, my thesis were on servant leadership in Catholic schools then because like I, I mentioned a little while ago, we didn't have you know, by the time I was in school, we hardly had any nuns. Um, and um, yeah, I've got company now. Sorry about that. Um, and so the thing that I, I think, and I still think this is the case, that really makes us stand apart is, is still the faith and how we do what we do. Um, and I think it's the, uh, the document I just mentioned, um, uh, Renewing Our Commitment to Catholic Schools in the Third Millennium, I think is where they say this, um, that from the moment somebody sets foot in a Catholic school, they should feel the difference. And we hear that on tours, even in Zooms, we've been interviewing candidates for different positions. Um, and we've heard them say, from the moment the Zoom session started, I could tell there was something different about the way you all did what you do, um, which is exactly how it should be. It's a, it's a beautiful compliment, but it's how it should be. It's what the church is telling us we have to do. And I love that challenge um, that we're doing more because what we're doing is, you know, we hang Jesus up on the wall. You know, every hallway, every classroom has Jesus in it. And if we're going to do that, well, gall darn it, we'd better be doing something differently than other people. And just being nice ain't it. Um, just being nice is, 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 I mean, everybody likes that. Um, there's no real challenge in just being nice. Uh, well, there, there is. But uh, if, we're, if we're really holding to Christian truths, there's going to be some real challenge. And some people are going to be kind of frustrated um, with, with that challenge. And that, that can be okay because sometimes Jesus frustrated people. I, I digress. Um, I started to, to learn about different groups um, and things that made me feel like Catholic education is part of something much, much bigger. Or being in Catholic education makes us part of something much, much bigger um, than just our isolated classrooms or schools. So uh, I was at schools that were LaSallean, actually, the, and I think uh, LaSalle High School is probably originally LaSallean. Um, we have this Christian Brothers Network all around the country and, in fact, all around the world. Some other day we'll do a podcast on uh, Jean-Baptiste de La Salle. Um, but there's a great network and great resources out there to be had. And you're finding these other people who are really promoting the faith and trying to raise up kids who are living for joy and justice. Uh, it's really cool. <clears throat> and then every couple of years I've either presented or just participated at participate or present at NCEA, the National Catholic Education Association. I went last year uh, to that in Chicago. Um, partially, I just love it because you see people that you know from, um, you know, from all over. Either you know, you bump into people you know locally, um, or uh, I'm fortunate enough to have you know now friends from up in the Twin Cities, from that archdiocese, and so I bump into some of them. Or thanks to Notre Dame, where I did you know graduate school, I bump bump into people from this you know national network of Catholic school leaders, people who are committing their lives to this work, um, and who are doing great, great things. So it's great to see that, and then it's it's empowering, and it really puts fuel in my tank um, to do that. But then, I mean, having taught, I don't know, what is it, 12 years or something in Catholic schools, and now having uh, done administrative leadership in Catholic schools for almost seven years, I've seen families' lives change. The most potent thing 
that, that I can kind of describe as a family who transfers in and their kid was in a different school and then they start at our school. And whether it's, okay, now the kid's getting the rigor. Now the kid's not getting picked on. A really common one, now the kid's coming home and talking about how much God loves them and they want to talk more about that. Maybe they want to join the church. Um, or the kid just knows that they're loved and they matter and they're safe. I've seen families' lives change because of their kids coming to Catholic schools. Um, I've even heard um, public school employees um, use the word miracle to describe what teachers in schools where I'm working have done for kids. Not because of me, um, just happens to be that I get to be there and watch these amazing servant leaders in Catholic education work with kids. And I've seen them say, uh, I've had people say to me, you've worked a miracle on this or that child's life. And these are not, (laughs) these are not my employees. These are people working with our school who are seeing kids and just recognizing what a huge difference um, is being worked in their lives. That's awesome. I mean, that makes me feel like I'm part of this long history of Catholic education. And it's really, really, um, it emboldens and empowers me and makes me thankful. Um, At the same time, it's it's really humbling. so now I've got my own kids in Catholic schools. I can't possibly imagine them not being in Catholic schools. Um, it's just so much a part of who we are as a family. Um, and my kids couldn't. They couldn't imagine not being in a Catholic school. They couldn't even get it. They wouldn't even, they, they just, I mean, school would just be so backward to them if they weren't, you know, going to mass and um, doing service and um, talking about God and praying together. It's just such a part of their daily lives. And I'm so thankful for that. And I hope you are too. I think I'm going to wrap this thing up here. Um, I feel like I've rambled on for quite a while. Um, but, you know, every every week we do a podcast and we do a getting to know you with um, a teacher, a parent, a student, um, maintenance worker, counselor, office staff, whomever, lots of teachers. Um, and we always do a getting to know you. And I'm on here every week and I've never done a getting to know me. Uh, I hope this was interesting for you and I hope it wasn't too um, self-indulgent for me to talk about myself and my life a little bit but hopefully you find it interesting to hear that and uh, I will pop in a couple of little Johnny clips because he has continued to find devices around the house while Laura and I have been teaching and he has continued either on my phone or an iPad or my computer to find ways to record his voice and say lots of cute things so I'll pop those in here at the end um, but I hope you all have a great weekend here Uh, God bless you. Um, If you have any thoughts on this, go ahead and post them in the comments um, on uh, on Facebook below where I post this. I'd be interested to hear what you think. Um, If you like this, if you'd rather stick with the the regular or if maybe once or twice a year, something like this off the beaten path um, is refreshing to you, I'd be be real open to hearing that. Thanks, everybody. God bless your weekend. Bye-bye. Hi, welcome to the Giant Podcast. And my favorite color is root beer. And and what else I'm going to tell to you is it's got the biggie chunk. And what else is and is Mayday Baskets. Goodbye. Jeez, let's head home. Goodbye. Once upon a time, there was a, a dad named Zach. And, and, he, and he was playing outside with Freddy. He was playing Frisbee. 
and kicked with Johnny, and then we went, and then he went inside across the field to Gemma and Ellie, and they saw Mom and Freddie and Dad, and they were in the forest, and they heard something. It was a magic elf, and and he was singing. Hi, I'm a little left, and and I'm so lonely. I'm so sad. The end.